everybody, and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. I'm your host, Taylor Rockwell. Daryl Grove is not with me. He is instead in Boston. You will be hearing from him about halfway through the show. We talk some ads, we do a little Bundesliga quiz, and we get an update on his health because he's up in Boston for some treatment, but I'll let him explain that. Uh, but since Daryl is not here, I'm instead talking to Matt Herman of the Talking Fußball podcast. My German is not as good as his. That should be obvious. Um, Matt has so much knowledge about the Bundesliga, it's kind of absurd. Uh, I didn't. Really, I gave him like very general preparation for this, and he answer, answered every single question with uh, all the knowledge you would expect of a person who apparently has an encyclopedic knowledge of the Bundesliga. Uh, so much so that initially this was just going to be like a, a kind of standard like forty minute ish preview of the league. Instead, it's going to be a two parter. So this is part one. We talk about maybe some of like the title contenders and also some of the newly promoted teams with a few other more general topics in there. I think Tyler Adams is probably the only American we get to on this episode. Then on part two, which will be out tomorrow, uh, it's a little bit more focused on some of the Americans in the Bundesliga as well as their clubs and the expectations for them. And then some of the kind of like the the rest of the best in there, say your Leverkusens, your Gladbachs, uh, your Wolfsburgs, all of those good squads. Um, so part one today, part two tomorrow. Uh, and with that, I will turn it over to me and Matt, mostly Matt. With me now, I've got a man who I assume is wearing his uh, full flamingo costume. It's Matt Herman of the Talking Foosball podcast. Matt, hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm just wearing a plain red shirt, though. Okay. So, uh, you know. <laughs> no, no flamingo for you? No, no. I mean, it, it's actually been a couple of weeks since I've been to a forward game, so I haven't been uh, all flamingo clad in a little while. But I, I do have my... my my mingo gear. All right, it's for, some for so- special occasions. It's some solid gear. I like for special occasions. I assume weddings and like black tie events. That's when you wear your mingo gear. Exactly. Uh, it, you've you've uh, you've helped me understand a thing there. So, do they go by forward? Would you say I'm a forward fan and not a like Madison fan? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Forward, uh-huh. forward. It's like if you if you were to break it down to just one one word. All right, yeah, there we go. I've learned new things, but we are not here to talk about uh, USL League One, I I promise. Instead, we're going to be talking about the Bundesliga, which uh, kicks off this coming weekend. Uh, To do so, we're going to be talking to, as I said, Matt Herman of the Talking Football Podcast. Matt has been on many times uh, before. Uh, I think... There was one time when, like, I think Daryl turned it turned it into a sort of like a quiz show. Daryl is not here, so I am grateful for that. But instead, I have lots of questions for you, Matt, about lots of different Bundesliga teams, as well as just some sort of general questions overall. So I hope you uh, you are ready to go with all of the much uh, Bundesliga knowledge you have. Oh yeah, and I think uh, you know, not having Daryl here this time is going to mean that um, I get off a little easier when it comes to pronunciation uh, teaching. Yeah, and that's what it was. We that's got right. Yeah. In the weeds there. We did, we did, and I'm glad we won't be have to do that. Although I shall do my best. Although, actually, let, let's go here to start. Is it Bayern Munich Thanks. or is it Bayern München? Oh, so certainly the, uh, the the official name of the club is Bayern München, right? Uh, and you know, they have attempted, it seems, to uh, you know use that. The original word, the original name of the city, mm. München, as opposed to Munich, in their sort of official club communications, and and certainly their like, you know, uh, Twitter feeds for Spanish and you know USA English, whatever they try to use Bayern München instead mm. of Munich, but I don't think they get too worked up about it. They're not, you know. I feel like they're no, not like that. I feel like most of the like. German uh, Bayern supporting fans I've met refer to them as Bayern more than anything else. But I guess, like, yeah, that's my question is like, if I went there and said, like, oh, I'm going to the Bayern Munich game, would I get some looks? Would they know I was American aside from the accent? Oh, yeah, I think they would because, <laughs> you know, people do say Bayern München, uh-huh. but, you know, 
very much in German. People also just call him Bayern or even mm-hmm. Die Bayern, Bye. which is sort of, you know, a way to sort of just get it out of your mouth as quickly as you can. <laughs> <laughs> Well, D. Byron have had a strange summer, uh, I would say. They came out of the gates. They declared there's going to be big signings. Uh, and I guess there have been. Lucas Hernandez has come in from Atletico. Uh, Benjamin Pavard from Stuttgart. Jan Fiat Arp from Hamburg. Uh, but like the one that I, I guess is kind of on the mind right now is that they went from like, what, like Callum Hudson-Odoi to Leroy Sana to Leon Bailey. Now they've signed Ivan Perisic today. All of that leads me to ask you, like, at this point, do you think Byron have had a good summer in terms of the transfer window or do you think they're going to need to make some more signings in order for it to be a successful window um they've had a good transfer window in that they basically took care of one of their biggest needs that that they had which is to say they needed new blood in the defense uh last season that was really at least the first half of the season i think that was what was holding them back more than anything was was um you know just a degree of of aging and and like sort of dumb mistakes being made at the back. I mean, they were in a position at the end of the season where they needed to buy a couple of new guys, and I think that that Pavar and uh, Hernandez are both really good players who will probably get even better uh, during their time at Bayern. But um, you know, they also got to the point where it seemed like the club had decided they needed to sell either Boateng or Hummels, and. I get the impression that during the course of last season, because you know Jerome Boateng was not super uh, engaged for the first part of the season, it seemed, and you know, it seemed like the club was actively feeling out teams about how much they would be willing to pay for Boateng. I mean, they basically had you know personal terms done with uh, Paris Saint Germain, but PSG just didn't want to put up the, the the amount of money that Bayern wanted for him. And it seems to me that Bayern decided that you know if the if the market isn't there for Jerome Boateng, then we'll sell Hummels instead. I mean, it was weird that they sold him to uh, Borussia Dortmund, which yeah. you know is, is of course their like biggest rival for the title. But I think that that the buying they did in defense was good. The everything else has been a real real puzzling situation because. Obviously, Aryan Robin and Franck Ribéry needed to go. I mean, they basically were players who could hit the heights occasionally through the course of a season. They would spend each of them pretty significant periods on the sidelines, either as as you know second choice or as hurt. And it shows a lot of faith that they have stuck by the idea that you know Kingsley Coman and uh, Serge Gnabry are going to get the job done on the wings and be their sort of featured um, wing attackers. But they don't have any depth behind those guys, and I would not be surprised at all if uh, Bayern sort of tried to rectify things because they're looking really thin in a lot of places going forward. And, and it, you know, their attacking buys this summer have been really pretty lackluster. I think Ivan Perisic is, is a perfectly fine player. I think he's going to be a really nice sort of, you know, second option. But, you know, they need to sort of impose their will a little bit on the league like they like to do. And I think that, you know, a big name buy might might help them do that. Well, and I feel like a big name buy also helps them a little bit in terms of the locker room. Because as you mentioned, Robin Ribery gone, Rafinha gone, Matumbo's also gone. Like, who do you think as of now is sort of the leader in that Bayern squad right now? Is it Manuel Neuer? Is it somebody who's been there? Or is it somebody maybe a little bit younger who's coming through? 
Oh, no, I would I would say that Manuel Neuer, in terms of just personality, um, has a really big uh, part to play. I think also Thomas Müller, as a guy who's been with that club his entire career, also has sort of a, a big say in things. Joshua Kimmich has sort of stepped up as, as someone who has been looking to take on a bigger leadership role. I mean, it's interesting that a lot of these guys happen to be players who are not playing at the center of the pitch, which is in a lot of times where you want to have your leaders, you know, Thiago Alcantara mm-hmm. um, is somebody who I don't think ever has, you know, become a, a vocal guy. I don't know whether that's a, a language issue or whether it's a personality issue, but he always strikes me as being a little bit quiet on the pitch. Um, Leon Goretzka maybe could grow into that role. And I think, um, you know, as long as he gets games, could could turn into uh, more of a, a leader for this team. But there is a little bit of that missing, maybe. So, like, as of this point, I'm, I'm assuming maybe they, they sign another player. Uh, but even if they don't, do you think this is a, compared to Bayern teams we've seen of the past, is this about as weak of a Bayern team as we've seen in recent memory? Ooh, it depends on how recent you want to go back. Yeah. I mean, I would say at least for the last... Hmm, 10 years they have been they have had sort of far and away the best squad in the Bundesliga in any given season i feel like last season was beginning to, to that was beginning to change that that dortmund's squad was at least in in most areas of the pitch um measured up to bayern's and and now might even have surpassed it in terms of quality and depth because Bayern have a very, very thin squad, for one thing. I think they only have something like 17 or 18 outfield players in their squad, um, which you know lets you know that they probably have a little bit of buying to do yet. I mean, it, it's funny because Bayern, like many sort of successful German teams, like to get their business done early and are, are sort of famous for doing that. I mean, you know, that Hernandez and Pavar deals were done you know, well before the season even ended. But um, they seem to have just not quite <laughs> pulled the trigger on a few deals that they were, were, were sort of considering. Or maybe maybe the fact that they have been linked with a lot of very expensive players this summer, whether that's you know, uh, Leroy Asane, who almost came. I reckon if he hadn't gotten hurt in the Community Shield, he would have come. Um, or you know, Dybala, or they've been linked also with Gareth Bale or Philip Coutinho, which, you know, may or may not happen depending on what happens with, with Neymar. I think Bayern is a club that has always been a little bit shy about big ticket items. Let's just say they like to buy, um, you know, sort of elite Bundesliga players as to, as opposed to necessarily elite European or elite global players. And, and that price range typically puts them, well under what a lot of the other sort of super clubs in Europe pay that they really that's where they naturally want to be and where they have been for the last decade with a little bit of a drop off maybe in the last couple of years but they just don't like to spend 100 million euros on a on a player and maybe they've just gotten a little shy when it comes to doing that i i still think they need to buy a player or two and and so does robert lewandowski he he can't stop talking about it well, that's that's good of him to make that public. Um, but like like this, I, I guess like this kind of like like interview is my goal to like I do a season preview and answer some specific questions about some specific teams. But I also have some more like general ones about the Bundesliga. Like example, the Munich München thing, which I know is probably a silly question, but it is one that I'm like, would I stand out? And and this is another one that like like when you say going back ten years in terms of Bayern's strength, like I think back to like the like Owen Hargraves Bayern Munich team, and I remember. 
in that era being like, oh yeah, like Bayern Munich, like they're still a good team, but they weren't, it, they weren't quite at that level that they've been, you know, under Van Hall and Pep Guardiola. And, and I think back to like, like I think it was maybe when Frank Ribery signed for them, even it was a bit of a like, oh, he went there. Like that's interesting. And it feels like they do sort of have this sort of cyclical thing of, like kind of like like not even like fall away for a little bit, but like aren't front and center in terms of like the European Super League sort of teams and then get very good and stay very good. And then they maybe plateau a little bit. And they fall off a little bit. And then it almost like affords them the opportunity to sort of be forgotten about a little bit. And then they go out and sign these big players, as you said, these big Bundesliga players. Suddenly they're back on top for another like six years. That's kind of my understanding of Bayern Munich. I don't know if that's at all accurate, but that's at least where I'm operating from. I, I mean, I think there is some truth to that. I mean, the absolute sort of utter dominance that they have had over the last seven years, which, you know, they've won the title every single year, that is quite anomalous in, in Bundesliga history. I mean, you know, teams have won the title, you know, I don't know, two years, three years in a row uh, on a number of occasions. But winning it seven years in a row was was crazy. And, you know, Bayern Munich, when I, when I arrived in Germany um, – Lowe's many years ago, uh, back in 2006. I mean, there was, it was certainly, they were thought of as, as like by far the biggest and most successful team in Germany, but like there was no sense that they were absolutely untouchable. And there was definitely a sense that in any given year they could mess things up and, and blow it, lose the title. And I think that had something to do with them not necessarily understanding where, you know, how, 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 how close they were to being really, really dominant. I mean, I remember they were still sort of messing around with a lot of, you know, just sort of above average players from other teams in the Bundesliga. They were buying up players, you know, from from Hanover and, and Hamburg and, uh, you know, Karlsruhe. I mean, players in some cases who turned out to be legends like Oliver Kahn or whatever. But in a lot of cases, they were buying up guys like Marcel Janssen or, you know, uh, I don't know, like Jan Schlaudraff, who had had a good year at a sort of medium-sized club. And then Bayern would buy them and they would, you know, either play them a little bit or not play them at all. And they just sort of messed around. Something happened in the late 2000s when Bayern were sort of not really getting their act together. And, you know, they had one year where they finished, I think, third or fourth. Um, you know, they lost the title. You know, Stuttgart won the title in 2007. Uh, Wolfsburg won the title in 2009. And at a certain point in, in time, like, Bayern were just like, okay, we're, we're not screwing around anymore. We're just going to – we're going to actually go for the top shelf or as close to it as we can get. And, you know, guys like Frank Ribery came in, uh, Luca Toni, who was a pretty big name by oh, yeah. at the time. I forgot about Luca um, Toni at Bayern. Yeah, seriously. And, and he, had, he had a couple of really, really good years. Um, and he, he actually is the source of the famous uh, Louis van Gaal, uh, uh, I'm going to show you guys yeah. my ball from the dressing room uh, <laughs> story. Um, <laughs> and Arjen Robin, of course, who, you know, had, had had some good years at both, you mm. know, Chelsea and, and Real Madrid, but hadn't quite caught on there. Bayern is where he actually hit the heights that he would eventually hit, where he became a, a sort of global superstar. Um, it seems like Bayern have also benefited from, you know, a, a, an extreme, hmm, an extremely good generation of German talent, like both coming from within their ranks and mm -hmm. from from other clubs. I mean, you know, 
it doesn't happen all the time that within just a few years of each other, your own club produces a Philip Lum, a Bastian Schweinsteiger, a uh, Thomas Müller, and buys, you know, Jerome Boateng, uh, Manuel Neuer. I mean, even Germany is not necessarily blessed with a generation that good. And it just so happened that because this was a, a time when Bayern was willing to sort of buy absolutely all the best talent it could from within Germany, they ended up with a spectacular team. And, you know, maybe if Bayern don't make another deal this summer and don't win the title and, and maybe finish even third or fourth if things go really badly this year, maybe they'll have to sort of pull the pin out and, and spend on, on, on some seriously expensive players if they want to get back to where they are now. All right. Well, well, we'll see how much the spending happens. But if they do fall off, then it seems like it would be Borussia Dortmund's gain. Uh, that's where I wanted to move next. Uh, I mentioned earlier that, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Matt Hummels uh, left Bayern, returned to Borussia Dortmund. Like he's one of those players who I think just because he's been around in my mind for so long, I assume like, oh, that's a nice thing. Like he goes back to Dortmund, he gets kind of a send off, he gets one farewell season, and then I looked him up and he's thirty years old. And I think I had this idea that he's like very much past it, uh, and now I'm realizing that it might not be the case. So I'm then wondering for you, like, how big of a signing do you think he's going to be for Dortmund? How much of a role will he play for them this year? Uh, he will have a very big role. Um, I would say unless he's hurt or sort of needs a rest, he'll be playing every game that he can. And I think he'll be a really good signing because ultimately what sort of blew the title for Dortmund last season was sort of an inability to snuff out dumb mistakes at the back and sort of bring a little consistency uh, in the second half of the season, especially when, when they were sort of giving up points pretty cheaply at times. I mean, there were definitely some games against, you know, opposition that they had no business um, drawing with or, or losing to that they just couldn't keep things tight enough uh, at a time when, when they really needed to. And, and some of that I think came down to maturity some of it came down to injuries. You know, they had had injuries to you know guys like Manuel Kanji at, at a pretty inopportune time, who was one of their better uh, you know central defenders. I think as long as Hummels stays healthy and um, you know plays as well as we've known him to play for the last you know ten or twelve years, mm-hmm. he's he's going to be a huge signing, and I, I think Dortmund are going to win the league. Do you think? Oh, okay, that's interesting. So you think this will be their season? Yeah, I do. And and how much of that is influenced by some of their other other signings? Because like Hummels alone, I feel like as you've noted, like would be a big deal. But then they've also brought in what Torgan Hazard and Julian Brandt would be the two that I think are probably the biggest ones locking down Paco uh, Alcazar as well on a permanent deal. Of mm. those maybe four deals, which one do you think has the biggest impact for Dortmund? Uh, Hummels, Hazard, Brandt, or Alcazar? Hmm, that's pretty tricky. Um, I, I I think. It's hard to say with with in in the case of Alcacer because you know he was he's already been there for the better part of a season, and and you can't really treat him like a a, a sort of revelation of a player. Right, no, let's I think get rid of him. Going to, let's go with the other three. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'll go with Hummels. I mean, if you wanted to throw in another uh, wild card to that, I think Nico Schultz as oh, right. uh, you yes. know as a wing back is going to be a, a pretty big deal for them as well because they you know. They had some difficulties at times last season with with that position. I mean, you know, Hakimi was was showing really well, and he's a good young player, but he was also a bit mistake prone at times. They had two aging guys, um, Marcel Smeltzer, who plays very little role anymore, and then 
Ukash Pischek, who is still very good, but, you know, getting up in years. So I, I think having that, you know, further depth and, and a player who over the last few seasons for Gladbach and Hoffenheim has shown himself to be a really, really good player. Um, I, I think Nico Schultz is going to be a big deal for them as well. I mean, I love Julian Brandt. I, I think he's a really, you know, incredibly fun player and, and the partnership that he had with, with, uh, you know, Kai Havertz at, at Leverkusen was, was great to watch. It's just hard to get into the, into the side at Dortmund in, if you're a sort of, you know, a guy who plays in, in the middle of midfield, because there's a lot of good players there. I mean, I would not be surprised to see him become first choice soon enough, but you know, he's probably got to play his way in first. And to your earlier point, uh, it does seem like this is a, Maybe not if like if not on paper, then at least sort of in my mind when you put them all together, a stronger attacking core than maybe Bayern Munich will have, depending on their signings. Maybe that changes. But it's Hazard, Brandt, Alcazar, as we mentioned, Götze, Royce, uh, Jaden Sancho, Thomas Delaney, Axel Witzel. Like it does feel like they have all the components there. It then kind of relies upon Lucien Favre to get things done, and that's where I wanted to turn our attention next. Is sort of he's a manager who I know. Like of, I guess is the best way to put it. Like I'm familiar with him going back to Gladbach, but I can't tell you really anything definitively about him. So I wanted to ask you, like, what can you tell like our listeners or me about like his style, his approach to management? Huh. Um, he's a guy. I mean, I I, I actually sort of became a, a Lucien Favre fan back, you know, a, a good while ago because he he was a the coach of, of Hertha um, Berlin, my, my favorite oh, yes. club, uh, for about two and a half years. And it was one of those situations where they were a sort of decent but not great club, a, team, a sort of a mid-table club before he took over. He basically got them almost into the Champions League and then you know flamed out at the beginning of, of the season after that, his sort of what would have been his third full season. Um, he is an incredibly sort of painstaking um, teacher of of movements. I mean, he's famous for, you know, setting up players very precisely and like sort of walking through this the shape that he has built and moving people over just you know half a meter to get them in precisely the right place. Um, I think he's probably grown to be a little bit. Um, I don't know less uh neurotic <laughs> with 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 you know his his as the years have passed i mean he's been through a lot of jobs um in, in gladbach and in nice and now in dortmund where you know the the profile has only gotten bigger for him he's only this the spotlight has only gotten bigger um and i think that sometimes when you're dealing with with bigger teams with bigger names you probably have to sort of you know trust that people um know their job a little bit more than when you're you're doing that at a smaller club i mean He's famous for, you know, being very um, – he's had some quotes at times where he's um, emphasized to his players where he uh, believes that, that, you know, fouling and tackling in, in certain situations are, you know, not what he wants to see. He wants to see a very, very positionally based defensive game and, and thinks that um, if you're resorting to that sort of thing that you're, you're, you, you've already lost – in some ways. I mean, perhaps this also has to do with the fact that he was a sort of, you know, great creative midfielder in, in Switzerland in the seventies and had his career ended by a really rough, uh, tackle and, you know, maybe has a, a bit of a sore spot for, you know, players who, who, who bring out the rough stuff. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, for sure. 
But I, I guess the one thing that is a little bit tricky with him, and this came up both in, in the end of his Hertha and the end of his Gladbach tenure, is that when his teams go on a real skid, when they lose, say, I don't know, six, seven games in a row or, or, or don't win for that many games, he has never proved that he can get a team out of a downward spiral that bad. I mean, luckily, that hasn't happened to him very much because for the most part, his teams are very good. Um, and, and I don't think that that's going to be something that comes up this season at Dortmund, barring a sort of you know unholy injury crisis because this is a very deep team. But um, it is a little bit tricky to know how he is going to sort of deal with the pressure of being the favorite for the title. Um, it's not necessarily conventional wisdom yet because I still think that a lot of people think that Bayern own the title until someone takes it from them. But the, the sort of pundit class and fans, I've seen various you know fan surveys at, on, on magazines and podcasts and stuff in Germany – there is a growing sense that Dortmund are, are the favorites for the title this year. And I don't know exactly how Favre or his team is going to deal with that. I think um, Favre hasn't won anything. He hasn't won a title of any kind since he left Switzerland back in 2007. So I, I'd love to see it happen. I, I really like the guy. I like you know the way he plays, uh, the way he, he wants people to, to play football. But he hasn't been able to seal a deal for a really long time. Much, much more still to come for Matt Herman. He has lots of knowledge, uh, and I'm recording this after we finish recording, so we now know that this is going to be uh, a two-parter, so you're listening to part one, uh, but we have to take a moment today to talk about some of our sponsors, and to do that, we have to talk to Daryl Grove. I should say we get to talk to Daryl Grove. Hello, Daryl. Damn straight. Yeah, you get to talk to me. Hello. How are you doing? I don't like the shoe being on the other foot where you get to sort of be island, Daryl, even though you're uh-huh. in Boston, which is not exactly the most like relaxing yeah. island resort. I'm more like boutique hotel, Daryl. There we right go. Now. I'm in a very small room, but a very nicely decorated room, which is the the core of boutique hotels, right? Now, are you... Yes. Yes. Are you... <laughs> there's, like, a, there's a sketch of a dog on the wall. Ah, right? of course. Um, are you in... like? Are you saying like literally right now you are in a small room within the room, or are you saying that the room itself is small? The room itself is small. Ah, boutique. Yeah. Ah, branding boutique. words. Aren't they the best? They boutique, are the best. Me- boutique means small. <laughs> but why are you in the, Boston? The, Bundes- the Bundesliga preview is not boutique, from what I've heard. It is not. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we'll talk a little bit uh, Bundesliga in a moment because I do have uh, a five-question quiz for you based on oh, sort of oh. some of the stuff that we have either already talked about, I think, or are going to be talking about later on in this episode, I think. Nothing from part this is an two, ambush. I don't think, in here. This is a Bundesliga quiz ambush. Sort of. Sort of. I'm aware, <laughs> however, that in the past maybe my quizzes were a bit ruthless. <laughs> and yeah. I think I just have this idea that you, Daryl, have... Again, like all that knowledge, because you are the one who'd be like, oh, remember he played those two games for that team in 1999. And I'm like, yes, of course. So I think therefore you just, <laughs> I assume you have it all like, like ready to go. And that's why I end up making it way too hard. And then I end up being a jerk. Well, I'll be safe in the knowledge that whatever I get wrong, Matt Herman will get right. That is definitely correct. So we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to uh, today's sponsors in a second. But first, uh, I wanted to hear about, or maybe let the listeners know why you're in Boston. Oh, yeah. So we mentioned this on what Tuesday's mm-hmm. uh, Premier League questions show, but I'm in Boston for the initial consult on a clinical trial to uh, that targets the very specific genetic mutation that I have with some immunotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the news so far is that the initial consultation went really well. And hopefully I'm going to be doing the trial 
Um, I'm not 100% enrolled yet. There are still some, you know, tests and stuff to make mm. sure I'm eligible. But the the good optimistic news is that this looks like a really uh, good treatment option for me. And we're not saying like it's cured, everything's gone, mm-hmm. but you know, it's it's good news at the very least. Now, uh, while I'm like recording you live, and I'm going to catch you on the spot, uh, would it be a good idea for our listeners to send emails and handwritten letters to the hospital uh, saying that you should qualify <laughs> for the trial? I mean, I don't. They, we would have to like fake some test results if that's what it came to. <laughs> it's really, it's really about blood counts and things like that. So I don't, I don't think handwritten letters will uh, will change that. I mean, so, send me your platelets. That'd okay, be there we- <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. All right. <laughs> um, and and Just to add them as attachments to emails, right? Yeah, I think that's totally normal. That's a th- <laughs> that's a realistic thing to request. Uh, and then my other burning question is: if things go well and uh, like you know, like like the the tumors are shrinking or, or things are knocked back a little bit. Do you get to say to the cancer, "How do you like them apples?" <laughs> I think so. I mean, I feel yes. like you're legally required if you're in Boston. Yeah, I'll get I'll get a scan mm-hmm. uh, of the results and I'll press them up against a window and I'll say, "How do you like them apples?" <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, <laughs> I also like today's sponsor quite a bit because if oh, yeah. you're say maybe feeling a little bit anxious about some results, <laughs> um, maybe you could use CBD to help you calm down. And that's who today's sponsor is: our friends over at Feels. So Feels, F-E-A-L-S, is a better way to feel better. That is their tagline, and I think I like it. Um, It's premium CBD. Mm -hmm. CBD, which will keep your head clear and help you feel your best, because CBD has been proven to greatly reduce anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. Mm -hmm. And they sent us some samples, and we've tried the CBD, right? We have indeed. And uh, I, I did find it helped, you know. Chill me out a little bit. We should note it is the non-THC variety yes. so that we don't have uh, federal agents kicking down the door. Um, yep. but, but Yeah, it, it's, it's worth pointing out this is like fully legal everywhere, yeah, right? It's exactly. at a level that cannot get you in any trouble. That is very important to note. <laughs> um, and the other things I would say that like uh, my wife actually used it as more of a like not lotion, but essentially she has psoriasis. And when it gets kind of bad, we tried the CBD and it does help. It helps like kind of like relax the, the pain a little bit. And then it does also okay. help like the skin, which led me to wonder, can it treat sunburn? So we tried that when we were at the beach, and the answer is, yes, it can. Uh, I I looked it up today just to see if that was maybe just me, like, wanting it to be the case. Instead, (laughs) there are... There are documented trials or at least examples of uh, CBD specifically helping with the redness and, like, irritation of sunburn. You know how I treat sunburn? I wear sunscreen. I did, too. I did, too. (laughs) So did she. I still got got. Uh, oh, it's it's mostly because yeah, like I I didn't like uh, slather my belly, so I had like a nice like red <laughs> circle right on my belly. It was lovely. I'll do that. I'll do that for you next time. How about that? I appreciate that. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. But do so, use do do use feels though. You should definitely do that. So my wife also tried feels. We we both tried it uh, uh-huh. when we got it, and she said it made her feel a lot more relaxed. Um, you know my wife. She's very kind of. Uh, follow the rules kind of person so okay. she was she i was loved the idea 100 percent not jumping in to answer that one for you i was gonna let you <laughs> hang yourself <laughs> well she's behind me she's okay um, but she um she said it made her um have the thought why does anybody work so she definitely got very relaxed <laughs> thanks to feels <laughs> I mean, I think that's good. I hope that's good. But yes, it, it, it helps you relax. It can help with sunburn. Apparently, all you do is basically place a few drops of feels under your tongue. It comes in kind of a dropper, uh, eyedropper thing, although obviously yeah. not eyedropper. Um, and you can feel the difference within minutes. Um, and they offer uh, a CBD hotline, text message support uh, if you kind of need help with your personal experience. 
the other thing my wife really liked was she said the basically the packaging was very nice, but the instructions were very clear and simple because yeah. she had no idea what to do with the CBD oil. But she said the instructions were just like to the point, very clear, and just made her feel confident that, okay, I know what I'm doing now. I'm, like I'm, I said, she likes to follow the rules, so I mean, she followed the instructions. So does mine, and I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, my wife too, uh, or the branding specifically, the packaging specifically, she was like, this is the nicest the most yeah. nicely packaged thing I think has ever been sent to uh-huh. us. So well done, You can done, do a feels. lot with Helvetica, it turns out. <laughs> you sure can. And you can do a lot with uh, Feels. So, uh, Daryl, if people want to check out Feels, and maybe they don't necessarily want to pay full price for it, what could they do? If you become a Feels member mm-hmm. via this URL, feels.com slash TSS, you'll get 50% off your first order. I believe that's half, Taylor. That's 5-0. 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash TSS to become a Feels member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. What was that URL again, Tyler? Feels.com slash TSS. Thank you very much to Feels for sponsoring today's episode and helping both of our wives uh, relax a little bit. Uh, my <laughs> wife, pre and post bar. Your wife, um, I'm assuming being in Boston, not necessarily Boston itself, but the reason you're there has been slightly stressful. So I hope it helps in that regard as well. Yeah, well, actually, my wife also finds Boston very stressful. She used to yeah. live here and swore that she would never come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're successful with the, getting on this trial, we'll be coming back regularly. So there's a, there's a delicious irony to this. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, she was part of the Winter Hill crew, and then she fled when Whitey did? Is that how that worked? She ratted out Whitey. Oh, yeah. that's what it was. You probably shouldn't say that on air. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that was also going to get I mean, some people kicking down your door. He can't get us now, can he? I mean, he can't. Other people could. Who knows? I see. I see. All right, Daryl. Um, I, I, the other reason I'm excited to talk to you, uh, obviously aside from just hearing the, the sweet, sweet sounds of your voice, is because um, <laughs> I wanted to sort of quiz you on some Bundesliga trivia. I should note, you have obviously yeah, not I, yet. I, I wanted you to not do that, though. So You'll be fine. We... <laughs> You'll be fine. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, all right, but I wanted to add that like you haven't heard this episode yet. Um, no. My first question for him, just so you know like where we start off, is... Is it Bayern München or am I allowed to say Bayern Munich? Like I really oh, was wow. like, which one can I do? Because that's kind of what I wanted to know is like, and we didn't quite get to the bottom of it, I think. But like, I want to know, like, do I need to say München or if I say that in America, do I sound like that guy who says that? And should I and just say my, Bayern Munich? My question would also be, if you say München, do you mm-hmm. have to say Bavaria instead of Bayern? <laughs> like, it gets very confusing, right? It's like half English, half German. And this is why I moved quickly on. But I brought it back <laughs> up. Um, but so here, here we go, Daryl. So it's, it's some questions about some things that have happened uh, this summer, more or less. So the first question okay. for you, uh, Felix Cruz brother of Tony Cruz, plays for which promoted team that once employed Bobby Wood? Ooh, so my initial answer was going to be Bayern Munich 2, but mm-hmm. it can't be that. It cannot. Maybe 1860 Munich? Because oh. he stayed in the Munich area? But maybe if there was another team, aside from 1860 Munich, that he briefly played for. I can't remember who he's played for. I know he played Union for Berlin, Hanover. my friend. Union, Union Berlin. Berlin. Okay. Yes. All right. So you're forgiven. So is it possible? Is it possible he never played for 1860 Munich? And I got them confused. No, with I, Union I think you're correct. That's where he started out. I think he had like a brief stint with Union Berlin, and then off he went. Um, here we go. Uh, uh, this one maybe a little bit easier. Uh, maybe possibly. Dortmund <laughs> signed uh, five players this summer. Um, I'm going to give you Nico Schultz from Hoffenheim, the left back, because I'm, that's a tougher one. I'm wondering, of the four remaining, how many can you name? And I can give you a hint for each one, if you'd like. Um, are some of them loans converted to permanent, or are these all fresh one, signs? One of them is loan converted to permanent. Is Paco Alcacer one of them? That is correct. 
Okay. Um, so I need like three more. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one is a former player of theirs who returned. Oh, Mats Hummels is back. There we are. Uh, Thank you, one is the brother of a player who moved to Real Madrid this summer. Togan Hazard. You got it. And the last one uh, is a member of the TSS Scouting Network, or at least is a scouted player in the Scouting Network, uh, young German who is not Kai Havertz. Young German who is not Kai Havertz. Mm-hmm. But maybe played for the same team. Oh, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, so he played for Leverkusen, and his name is escape. He's got blonde hair, uh-huh. but his name is escaping me. He plays like he went to the World Cup instead of Leroy Sane. He has the first, same first name as uh, a, an American who I think is still young who plays in Germany. A German American. That didn't help at I all. Don't know, I it, don't know who is Julian Brandt. Oh, yeah, that's a tougher one. All right, now it now, wasn't. I should have got that. I kind of knew it, but didn't know it. If that makes sense. Well, you still get. I'm going to give you three points so far. So you're, it, you're three. If for it five. helps, I gave um, I gave 19 vials of blood in blood tests today. <laughs> that's my excuse. That's not a joke. The nurse was laughing as she was doing it. She said, "This is like doing six patients at once." Ah. Uh, so there's my excuse for any uh, any wrong answers today. Uh-huh. Real convenient that you bring that up now and not before, Daryl. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I'm well, well, I didn't think I need the excuse before we start. <laughs> All right, what about this one? Uh, who is the new manager of RB Leipzig? Oh, is it Julian Nagelsmann? It is Julian Nagelsmann. All right. Hey. You're four for seven now, I think, yeah. is the number. And I'm, and I'm one for two with Julian's. Okay. Now, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Um, <laughs> I am convinced that there used to be an American who played at Paderborn. Uh, uh, Kyrie Shelton is there now. My question for you is, did an American once play at Paderborn? Yes. Do you remember who? Oh, no, not at all. Okay, neither do I. (laughs) (laughs) And now, here's your final question. Is it possible (laughs) that I am thinking of Alexi Lalas playing for Padova? I mean, anything's possible. I feel like that's what it might be. (laughs) Anything's possible within your brain. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to stick with that. Although I do think there is a U.S. connection to Paderborn aside from uh, beside Kyrie Shelton. But uh, until we find out, uh, Daryl, I'm going to give you full points for all those. Could have been like Joe Zhao went on loan there or something. So I was convinced it was one of those like 94, 98 squad guys. I literally went through like the Paderborn squads for the last... 30 years and did not see anybody. But I, I feel like there's, there's also sometimes like, like David Wagner gets a German flag next to his name, even though he plays yeah, yeah. for the US. So there's maybe uh-huh. there's that wrinkle in there that I'm missing. That is a window into the level of research that Total Soccer is willing to do. The fact that you went through 30 years of Paderborn squad. Or just my own neuroses and weirdness, one or the other. Yeah, I mean, th- <laughs> th- those aren't even two different things. Potato, potato, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, well, Daryl, I'm going to give you uh, full credit. Why not? You got 100% on the quiz. Hey! Yeah. All right. It's been a good day so far. <laughs> I mean, I think the, the 18 vials of blood really really forgives you for things like Union Berlin. <laughs> 19. 19. Oh, now it's 19. Next, it's going to be 20. <laughs> um, and then before we get back to Matt Herman, we should probably talk about today's sponsor. Should we do that? Yes! All right. Oh, it's, it's one of my favorites. I was so happy when they sponsored us. It's Fubo TV, which we now both use to watch all 
all the soccer and other TV as well. Fubo TV is sponsoring the Total Soccer Show, and I'm very happy about it. They absolutely are, and I absolutely am as well. I cannot. We have not talked since the Premier League. Um, it was super nice to wake up Saturday morning and just like like open the Fubo app and have all of the possible games in front of me, and I could kind yeah. of scroll through. I didn't have to like log in or get kicked out and re-log in. I didn't have to remember passwords uh, or it, like wait for sort of like the 30-second loading commercial that sometimes repeats yeah. because reasons. Instead, yeah, I, I don't even right know there. what Geico's latest offer is. I know it's really upsetting, right? You don't even know. You don't <laughs> even know what's going to be what's going to be happening, or like what car company is going to constantly sponsor the same episode. <laughs> Yeah, instead yeah, of Fubo. But, but you're right, you just open Fubo. Yeah. So I don't know how you watch it. Do you watch it on your Apple TV or do you watch it somewhere else? I watch it on my Apple um, TV, though. You watch it on your Apple TV? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I watch it on my laptop or my iPad or my phone. Um, and you just all, go all to... All right, all right, Minority Report. Calm down with your technology. I'm just saying there are lots of ways to access Fubo, but once you've accessed it, you sort of, you're in once and then everything is there. All the soccer channels are there. Just right. be, yeah, your eyes your eyes will be bewildered by the number of soccer games you can watch. Wait a minute. You're telling me that there's like Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2? Yes, there's which NBC actually Sports. is very uh, germane mm-hmm. to our German Bundesliga conversation, right? Because that's where the Bundesliga will be broadcast this year is Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2. So to catch those games, you can catch them via Fubo on those channels. And then obviously you've got NBC Sports, so you can get the Premier League. Uh, yep. And then I really enjoy having BN Sports back because we don't have yeah. it in the office because We've, of, I guess, their feud with Comcast. But you've got it on Fubo. Yeah. yeah. And so you can watch any of the many things that are on BN. And they have between one and 700 BN Sports channels, it seems. So <laughs> lots of different content from around the world to watch. Actually, that's one of the big things with Fubo. It's not, you don't just get BN Sports. You seem to get all the BN Sports channels, mm. which really are. There's like, I, I don't know if there's an Ocho, yeah. but I think I think it goes that high. Um, so you can watch, I, I'm pretty confident um, that like League Earn is on there and like some Turkish games are on there. Uh, there is all kinds to watch once you have the uh, the Fubo app. And then there's all the, then there's all the Spanish language channels as well, which opens up a whole new world. Yeah. I mean, I can, it, I can watch the Premier League in English on NBC Sports or in Espanol on Universo right. or Telemundo. And I'm glad you brought this up because I, I, I've got like, like advice here. It's, pretentious advice but i'm gonna give it anyway there's like, like a, kind. there's like a life hack of like i forget it was like a long time ago about like 20 ways to make it seem as though you've got your life together like if you're <laughs> if you've got like people coming to visit you it's like tips to make your house look like super professional and like put together like one the Ooh, one that i remember you share those with me afterwards? sure but like the one that i remember <laughs> is like buy like three or four big bottles of pellegrino so when you open the fridge you have like pellegrino <laughs> there and it's like ooh, okay and i'm gonna add the fubo app is great for this because I do think soccer is, like, the perfect thing to have on in the background. Like, music is great. I always put on music as well. But, like, if you've got people coming over, it's kind of an informal thing. Just having any game on, I think, is an easy thing to sort of gravitate towards. But you can sort of look away. You're not sort of just focused on, like, individual moments necessarily. But you could also, like, as you said, like, do it in Spanish language and suddenly you seem cultured. Or you're watching, like, the Turkish League on BN and someone's like, ooh, wait, hold on. Okay, this this person's exotic. I, so I didn't do this deliberately. I actually have the Fubo uh, webpage open on my mm-hmm. laptop right now because I was watching a bit of the um, the European Super Cup uh, be- before you called me. Yeah. Um, right now, uh, live is Liverpool-Chelsea in the UEFA Super Cup. Pulisic got an assist, by the way. Maybe we'll talk about that later in the week when we have more time to see what's happened. That but works. also, Copa do Brazil, Cruzeiro against see? Internacional, exactly. um, is also live right now. So you could look really cultured. Didn't you have you have a neighbor who uh, is big into Brazilian football, right? You could I impress do. Eli by just putting some Cruzeiro on when he comes around. Sao Paulo. 
<laughs> is this Sao Paulo fan? He is like, yeah, but he, he speaks fluent and like Brazilian accented, I think Sao Paulo and accented uh, Portuguese. So okay. he, he like, he has the moments, I forgive him for it, but he has the moments where he's like, Neymar? And I'm like, oh, Neymar? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Ronaldinho. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, just, I think you say bless you when he says that. Just say bless you. I'm aware that we're still in the middle of a Fubo ad read, but uh, first of all, yeah, yeah. yes, you should. Second of all, do you remember when we were in Orlando and I like the guy, our driver? I don't, this is the weirdest moment. Like our Lyft driver, like I think Alexis uh, Guerrero of so the Cooligans was riding in the front seat. He asked him where he was from. He's like, oh, Brazil. And I was like, oh, I'm really curious. Like, is it true that you like drop the R and you say H? Or like it's like like Ronaldo becomes like Ronaldo? And he was like, no, 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 it's like Ronaldo. And he like rolled his R. And then Alexis started speaking to him in Spanish, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm Colombian. And it was the weirdest, like, you had to fake being Brazilian for a moment? What's that about, man? What's that about? <laughs> it's okay to be a thing. You don't got to lie. <laughs> maybe the national, the Colombian national team were doing badly at that point, maybe. I don't I, know. Because he was they, the middle of the Copa America, right? Or just after the Copa America. It was. Maybe they share, do they share a border? I think they do. Maybe he was born on the border between the two, and so technically he's both. There we go. That he's Colombian-Brazilian. Perfect. <laughs> I think we've nailed it. But I think we've also nailed this sponsor because Fubo oh, yeah. genuinely <laughs> makes lives, uh, my, my life easier, at least, in terms of having the games right there, not having to log in. And then, as you've uh, uh, said earlier, you have them on your devices. I can watch it on my phone when I'm driving. Obviously, that's the best way to do it. I can watch it on my iPad in the shower. That's the best place to do that. Uh, don't lots take of- <laughs> your iPad in the shower. <laughs> you, reject- you, you respond to that and not don't drive and watch TV at the same time? Yeah, because none of those are company property. The iPad is TSS company property. I appreciate your concern, and I appreciate Fubo's sponsor. Daryl, if people want to check out Fubo and maybe not pay full price once again, how can they do that? If you get the family plan, mm-hmm. you go to fubotv.com slash TSS, fubotv.com slash TSS, get the family plan, which comes with all kinds of channels, um, and you will get 10% off your first two months. Mm-hmm. 10% off your first two months via fubotv.com slash TSS. And I will add, Taylor, also, any good ad read includes a list of all the features and benefits mm-hmm. of a product. That's one of the secrets to ad reads. We haven't mentioned the DVR yet. The uh-uh. DVR is the biggest DVR I've ever had. It's really exciting because it's the first DVR I've had since we like cut the cord yeah. four years ago, thereabouts. And, so, and what, like 500 hours do we get or something yeah, crazy like that? But, but I'm glad you reminded me of this because, again, another way it makes my life easier is if you cut the cord and you don't have like live replays of the game you might need to watch, you're basically relying on like either finding a dodgy stream that will replay it for you or finding highlights. But this way, if I know I'm not going to be around, I have access to a DVR again, and then now I can sort of DVR those games, watch them at my leisure, or if they were broadcast, what, within three days, you can go back and watch yep. them that way on demand. So that, to, me, to me, that's yeah. the best part. Like, the DVR is amazing, but you have to remember to DVR it, which, you know, mm-hmm. the, sometimes we get a little forgetful, and then we actually desperately need to see a game. Um, for for TSS, mm-hmm. if it was broadcast within the last seventy two hours, you can just go back in the calendar and rewatch it, it's which is amazing. amazing. That's like how I rewatched. Travel, um, travel, it is like time travel. It's that's how I rewatched uh, Manchester United Chelsea um, a couple times uh, when we did our Premier League questions review mm-hmm. of, of that game. I just opened up Fubo, selected that game, um, and like wh- like you know scrolled to the time I wanted to watch. 
didn't have to watch any weird ads for car insurance uh, and and i was away yeah so the 72 hour replay thing is absolutely incredible there we are so we we appreciate fubo uh for what they've done for our lives to make it easier uh and to allow us <laughs> to stream things when we probably shouldn't be streaming things and for sponsoring today's episode so once again that was uh fubo.tv slash tss for 10%. it is not it is not it's fubotv.com slash tss oh. fubotv.com slash tss and i think because you got it wrong now you definitely have to put the link in the show notes so no one can be confused okay that's fine that's fine that's fine uh well then i apologize to fubo for getting that wrong daryl thank you for correcting that daryl thank you for joining me to do these ad reads and to do the uh little bundesliga quiz uh yeah. but now your time is done and i'm gonna throw it back to me I'm talking off. to matt I've been kicked, kicked off the total soccer show that is um, but I'll, I'll be back in town tomorrow taylor thursday and we'll mm. be back in studio together on friday hopefully right hopefully hopefully all right so um, yeah, sorry. I feel like I should be closing this out, but I should. Go ahead. I? I should let you do it. No, you can I'm do gonna, it. I mean, I, back. I already did it once, but then you kept it going. So you go ahead this time. Um, here's <laughs> Taylor talking to Matt Herman about the Bundesliga. Do you think then that Dortmund are, with the depth they have, like set at the moment? Do you think they'll maybe try to sign somebody else, or will they go with what they've got right now? I think that they're pretty set. Okay. I think that um, I would be surprised if they went for another uh, another big buy of any kind. I mean, I I, I see. Very good depth just about everywhere on the pitch. So it seems maybe like it's... A, maybe a forward. I don't know. Okay. But Fav Fav is somebody who also is very suspicious of pure strikers. I mean, there was there was a time when uh, he inherited Luke De Jong, a, a, a pure striker at uh, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, and he basically decided he didn't rate him and just pushed him out of the club. Ah. You know, despite the fact that the club had spent like twelve million euros on him, he just you know he he. He likes a guy who sort of flits around between the lines, but you know, pure strikers, he basically doesn't have a lot of time for. It. All right. Well, Bobby Wood is available if if he needs uh, a not like a uh, very well performing Bundesliga striker. Bobby Wood is available, I believe. At least I think he is. I don't think he's moved yet, uh, but I doubt he's maybe the caliber that Dortmund will be looking for. Uh, if <laughs> we'll move away from Bobby Wood, well, I'll ask you this: uh, If it's not Dortmund or Bayern Munich, who are the other, or who is the other, or others teams that could be challenging for the title, or at least in that kind of race for the top four? Oh, I reckon. I reckon um, probably pretty similar teams as we saw um, mm-hmm. in up in those places last season. I mean, Leipzig is another team who have really, really good depth in their squad. They probably don't have. As much pure quality as Dortmund or Bayern, uh, partly because their squad skews a bit younger and some of their guys have just not been on the big stage for as long. But um, they do have great depth all over the field. Um, I think um, both Leverkusen and Gladbach um, probably have enough quality to, to make life a little bit difficult for those top two teams. I mean, Gladbach have a question mark over them in that um, Marco Rosa, mm-hmm. the, the new coach that they have who came in from, from Red Bull Salzburg, uh, is really trying to install a very, very different uh, system than, than his predecessor. So that could take a little while. But then again, you could say the same thing about Leipzig because, you know, Julian Nagelsmann is sort of the toast of Germany when it comes to young coaches and, and everybody – you know, he was probably the hottest property on the market over the last couple of years. But the way he wants football to be played is pretty different from the way the sort of the Red Bull school of football. Um, he's, he's much more possession oriented. I mean, he, he'll tell you that he's his sort of heroes of, of coaching are guys like, you know, 
Thomas Tuchel and Pep Guardiola, who put a lot of, of emphasis on possession. And, you know, Red Bull football is all about, you know, pressure and, you know, fast transitions and, you know, playing off the ball. So I, I think that could be a, a pretty, you know, tricky transition for him. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you about that as well, because his style of play, like at Hoffenheim last season, he finished up there, then he moved to RB Leipzig this summer. But with Hoffenheim last year, it sounds like they were sort of known for giving away leads and maybe not being the most secure team at the back. Is that sort of like a problem with Nagelsmann's system, or was that more so a problem with Hoffenheim's depth that maybe a bit more money, a bit more talent at RB Leipzig will help to disguise? Um. I think I think there's some of both. I mean, I, I think that um, you know Hoffenheim were really good at you know their their form of attacking was was pretty committed, and they were committed to to making overloads in you know the the forward third of the pitch, which can leave you exposed. I mean, luckily for for Leipzig, their their defenders are really really good. I mean, guys like you know Konate and Upamecano um, are spectacular and young and fast and you know, they can sort of paper over a lot of those problems. Um, I personally think it also just had something to do with the fact that Hoffenheim's, you know, shot conversion rate was just crazy low. I mean, so far under their expected goals, expected points. I mean, I think if they had converted at a normal rate, quote unquote, they probably would have finished, you know, I don't know, third, fourth, fifth in the table instead of, I think, ninth is where they finished. I mean, they were just so bad at finishing. And I think I, I can't even necessarily blame the personnel. I think it was just one of those weird, you know, luck things in some ways. But um, I feel like I feel like things could get a lot better at, at Leipzig. Uh, if they do, I'm hoping that it will also involve Tyler Adams. Uh, how do you think he fits into Nagelsmann's plans for Leipzig this season? Um, and who maybe do you think is going to be challenging him for playing time? If he's a defender or a central midfielder or a wide midfielder or wherever he ends up, who do you think? Uh, where do you think he ends up, and who do you think challenges him? Well, I mean, as far as I can tell, Leipzig sees him as as a midfielder rather than a defender. Hello, Berhalter. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't see any, any of that changing. I mean, I feel like uh, I feel like um, there's no reason to think that that Julian Nagelsmann is going to see that anything particularly differently than than his predecessor did. I mean, I feel like by the last, say, I don't know, um, ten games of the season it was pretty well accepted that Tyler Adams was, if not um, a sort of first choice player in the midfield, he was somebody who was sort of in the mix. I mean, Ralph Rangnick, the coach uh, last year at Leipzig was sort of pretty insistent on rotating that team. He didn't necessarily give a lot of players sort of the, the, the sense that they were always going to be first choice. And there was sort of, you know, a, a pretty strong sense that he wanted to, to spread things around and, and cultivate depth in the squad. I mean, I think that actually will work really, really well um, coming this year because, you know, Rangnick knew that he was only going to be coached for one year while they waited on uh, Nagelsmann. And and he sort of remains part of the club as as a you know I don't know whether he's officially called a sporting director or a directing or director of football or something. Um, so he was clearly sort of laying some groundwork there 
and I think you know that squad rotation was was part of that. Um, as far as as Adams' competition in midfield, I mean, I guess guys like like um, Stefan Ilzanker, Diego Deme, um, maybe to a lesser extent, guys like Kevin Kampel or, or Marcel Zabitzer, who probably will get forward a bit more than than uh, Tyler Adams would. Um, I expect him to 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 sort of reclaim that status after a little while. I mean, it's it's really it's a bummer that he is hurt and, you know, his injury seems to be dragging on a little longer than people expected. I mean, I remember reading maybe three or four weeks ago when he got this, this groin issue sort of looked at for the first time by the Leipzig doctors, they were like, eh, well, maybe he'll be back for the beginning of August for our, our friendly against Villa. And that, that date just keeps getting pushed back. And, you know, it, it sucks when you have a new coach uh, and you can't, show him exactly what your skill set is. I mean, you know, Nagelsmann, Nagelsmann has watched uh, Tyler Adams. He's probably, you know, he's, he's played against him. I'm not sure if for absolute sure if, if he's played against him in terms of, of when at Adams arrival uh, last season vis-a-vis, you know, when they played against Hoffenheim, but I'm pretty sure he knows something about him as a player, but you know, that he can't show them that day to day is, is really, really too bad. All right. Well, hopefully, like, you know, as the season goes on, Tyler Adams finds his way in and all is right with the world. But it also then is a weird thing, for, I think, for American fans, because you want to support Americans. So you're going to cheer for Tyler Adams. But I am assuming that RB Leipzig is still one of, if not the least popular, most detested teams in the Bundesliga. Is that still the case or is that position in softening, softening at all? Uh, no, not, not really at okay. all. And, and it's weird because you also get sort of you get periodic reinjections of of RB Leipzig hate. Um, this particular one I'm about to sort of get to has to do with um, the newly promoted side, um, Union Berlin, mm. who, you know, are a club that sort of really prides itself on being a, a community based club, a club that sort of has very strong ties, uh, and and being having taken a very anti commercial stance and. They are playing at home to Leipzig in their very first home game in the top flight. And their fans are going to celebrate that fact by being silent for the first 15 minutes because it's such an affront to them that they have to play against (laughs) RB Leipzig, which, you know, I don't think is necessarily a good idea, but, you know, it shows that there are, there is enough, you know, real contempt among certain you know, groups of fans in the Bundesliga, they just, they don't even want to deal with this club if they can help it. And is it, is it like, like for people who are new to it, it's essentially that Red Bull wanted a team in Germany, change the name of another team, make them RB, which is what, like lawn ball sports or something like that. I, f- I yeah, forget. Yeah. But it, like, is there one specific thing? Because as like money becomes more prevalent in the game or has been prevalent, but continues to be more prevalent, it does feel like you're getting like new groups buying ownership interest or at least a percentage ownership share of different uh, Bundesliga clubs. And so it feels like like the influx of money almost makes what Leipzig did more understandable. But at the same time, I'm assuming then is it is it more about like changing the name, changing the entire culture, or is it really just the kind of money a company owning a team that makes them that unpopular? Um, it's something to do with the money, but it's, it is more to do with the sort of undermining of, of what Germany sees as it's sort of, you know, attempts to protect football as a, as a, as a cultural artifact or whatever. I mean, you know, football clubs, like, like all clubs of any kind in Germany have to be 
actually run by the members, at least in some sort of pro forma sense. I mean, they have to sort of have, you know, annual general meetings where people are elected and there are, you know, points, uh, points of order on, on the agenda that have to be decided. And a lot of the stuff at, at your bigger clubs with a lot more members who, of course, you know, not every member shows up for the annual general meeting or anything like that, you know, there is a bit of, of sort of going through the motions, but it's there. It's an important set of motions for a lot of, of German f- football fans. And the fact that Leipzig has just found a way to completely circumvent that. I mean, they basically just made it so that, you know, instead of having a membership, which you can buy for, you know, 50 bucks a year, which is kind of a normal football club membership, their membership is oh, many right. thousands yeah. of yeah. euros. And, and they're, you know, the, the membership of, of RB Leipzig is only like 15 people. And it's, you know, it's basically they've just sort of managed to tick the boxes to make them, you know, uh, conform to the rules in the most sort of craven way. And and the fact that it's, you know, as you said, this was just a, a, a soft drink company that was looking for another opportunity to get its brand out there, just like it does with motorsport or weird airplane races through inflatable gates. <laughs> You know, there's there's a lot. People think football is is a bit you know holy mm-hmm. in, in that respect, and this and they see this as sort of cheapening that. Well, then let me ask you this: like, like uh, you're a Hertha fan, as you said. Uh, this summer, what uh, Lars Windhorst I think bought like thirty seven, thirty eight percent of Hertha for like one hundred twenty five million euros. Is that perceived as a good thing because there's more money coming in? Because I kind of assume that it's looked down upon for the reasons you mentioned that it's like money coming in, ownership being lost, like maybe fans being cut out, or or for a club like Hertha, is it? Oh well, there's more money we might be able to spend and be a bit more competitive. Well, if you ask, you know, I don't know, 10 Hertha fans, I think you'll probably get, you know, 10 different answers in terms of how Fair. warmly they, they, they view this. I mean, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I mean, Lars Windhorst is, seems like kind of a shady guy. I mean, he's, he's, you know, been involved in some, you know, I don't know, not exactly above board investments. And he's, you know, declared bankruptcy before and... Yeah, I feel like to to jump in for a minute, anyone, anytime anybody is described as an investor, I get a little nervous. I get a little sweaty. I'm like, "Uh, I don't know about that. That seems like a very general category when it's like owner of a gigantic company is putting some money into it. It's like, all right, well, I know where that's coming from. That makes sense. When it's investor, I'm like, I did you like what? What are you? Is it Chia Pets? Is that where you made your money? And now suddenly you have a little bit to spend. It always makes me slightly nervous. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, you can you can do chia pets or, or Planet Hollywood. I don't know why I went with chia pets, but I did. Hollywood. Hollywood. That's a way better one. That's a way better one. <laughs> um, yeah, but these these things can all go can all go belly up. Um, I think. Hmm. I mean, I've actually been surprised that there haven't been more investors who are willing to sort of dip their toe into this set of waters. I mean. It is tricky, both from a sort of PR aspect, as we know, you know, guys like, you know, Dietmar uh, Hopp, who invested in uh, TSK Hoffenheim, uh, has also been under fire at various times. He was sort of the whipping boy of the league before uh, Leipzig took over. But like there is, there's certainly money to be made in in the Bundesliga. I mean, you know, I think that um, there's a reason why people invest in football and it's not just for, you know, it's, it's, you know, like ability to raise somebody's profile, but like around the fringes and, and things like you know marketing partnerships and uh, you know concession sales 
rights. I mean, people can make money. And if they sort of do those things intelligently, uh, I'm sure that there are some investors who who look at it as as a good idea. I mean, when it comes to Herta, like, it's a little bit tricky because there's a lot of clubs that have sort of quote unquote strategic partners, you know, I mean, Bayern have, you know, Audi and Deutsche Telekom and uh, Adidas, you know, um, I think Puma is an investor in, in Dortmund along with an energy company called Evonik, their, their shirt sponsor, just like Gazprom with Schalke actually owns part of the club. And the weird thing with Herta is that it's, it's not, it's not a company. It's not, um, a sort of a portfolio of companies all investing, you know, 12 and a half or, or 15%. It's one guy putting a bunch of money in. And eventually if, if things go well, he said that he wants to put 49.9% uh, controlling uh, rights into, into the club, which that I think once again, is sort of a way that you can get around Germany's 50 plus one rule, which, you know, mandates that, that the membership has to, have a controlling interest in the club. But there's been situations in, you know, in the very recent past with a guy called Martin Kind in Hanover. Uh, there's also a guy called, um, whose name is Kuna, whose first name escapes me at the moment at Hamburg. And these are guys who have put a ton of money into the club and, and, you know, Kind tried to take over the club and try to, you know, break the 50 plus one rule. And a lot of times the sentiment among fans has has flipped on these guys, uh, partly because they are perceived as pulling the strings um, in the background. And you know, when your club's doing well, that can be good. But when your club isn't doing well, as things uh, have have been lately for both Hanover and Hamburg, um, you can become a real you know villain to mm-hmm. the club, and it can it can just turn out to be a bad situation for everyone. So. For for Hertha's sake, I hope that they win because I love them. And but you know, I I really hope that they win so that this whole you know Vintors thing doesn't turn into a disaster. That makes sense to me, and it also makes. But it also like is so like I, it would be so disconcerting to me if somebody was like, oh, I just want forty nine point nine percent like ownership interest in your club. Oh, and my best friend who always does everything I tell him to also wants two percent. Like that feels like a very like ah uh, forty nine point nine is about as close as you can get, and I feel like a crafty businessman will find a way to make something happen so that they end up with a controlling interest in the team. Well, I mean, but in Germany, you can only, you can only sell for up to 49.9% ah, okay. interest in the club because the, the membership has to retain, you know, control over its affairs. But nonetheless, I mean, when you, be, when you're, you don't have to be a majority interest in, in a, a company or a club to exert the biggest influence. You can be a plurality interest and still be the most powerful faction for sure. All right. Well, let's let's move to maybe happier uh, like areas. I'm not sure. Uh, you're hurt to fan Union back in the or in the Bundesliga. I don't even know if they've been there before. To be honest, they never uh, have. There we are. Uh, wh- first off, what made you go with Hertha over Union uh, in the first place as a fan? Oh, um, I mean, I kind of I got into Hertha um, originally, sort of at a distance, um, partly because I sort of had a, a soft spot for the city of Berlin, which I, I visited. You know, many years ago, back in the '90s, uh, my first time I went to Europe, I visited Berlin. I liked it, and then a few years after that, um, you know, my sort of home team, DC United, sold uh, Tony Sana to Hertha Berlin, uh, yeah. and I sort of followed Hertha Berlin in order to follow him uh, for a few years after I love that. Tony Sana, that's a good yeah, shot right there. Good dude, good dude. Um, 
so when I finally got to Germany, uh, I happened to be in Berlin for the first several months that I was there, uh, you know, and so the first, I don't know, like five or six Bundesliga games that I went to, uh, were all Hertha games. You know, I think I went to three or four home games and a couple of away games that weren't that far away, like, like Hamburg and, and Wolfsburg. And I was just hooked. I really liked it. Uh, at the time, Union were not having a very easy time of it. I mean, this is a club that sort of, it's natural space over the last, I don't know, 20 years, or at least since German reunification has been bouncing between the second and third tier of, of German football. So I think they were in the third tier, which at the time was, was a regional league, which really felt very small time at the time. So I was, I wanted to go to a Bundesliga game. I didn't want to go to a, you know, regional league Nord game. So, <laughs> you know, it didn't really, it was That's out of fair. the question. I was going to be into Mignon at the time. And were they, I know Hertha was like, like uh, a team that was in Berlin, but competed with like in like with West Germany, w- where were union were union also in like, in like the West German league or were they in East Germany? They were, they were in the, uh, the, the, the day day Oberliga, the, uh, the, the German democratic Republic, you know, league. And they were not always in the first division of, of that, um, of that, uh, you know, football league system. I mean, for the most part, a lot of the big power clubs in the sort of East German times were, you know, Dynamo Dresden, Dynamo uh, Berlin, and, you know, even clubs like, uh, you know, Chemnitzer FC and uh, Hallescher FC and, you know, a number of other clubs which have sort of sunk way down Mm -hmm. into the the lower reaches of of the, you know, German league system in, in reunified times. Were, were much bigger clubs. Um, Union was kind of like, if you wanted to put the, put it in a, in a sort of anachronistic way, they were a bit of a hipster club in you know East German times. It was it was a club that you supported in order to make a bit of a statement about yourself, I see. both in terms of what part of the city you were from. They were sort of part of a you know the the sort of I don't know like southeastern part of the city, and it was a, a Kupenica club, and they wanted to sort of I don't know give the impression that that was what they represented. And also you supported Union if you were sort of anti-government in a sort of somewhat socially acceptable way, like Dynamo Berlin was a club that was associated with Stasi, with the, the secret police. And yeah, you know, well, isn't were, that the thing with like all Dynamos have a connection to the yeah. KGB, which I'm assuming so, is why the Dynamos were quite so dominant uh, in that era. <laughs> you don't say. You don't say. <laughs> I know it's we- yeah. it's a weird connection that you totally understand and make sense, and is kind of terrifying all at once. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's totalitarianism has its tentacles absolutely everywhere. It is total, including total soccer. There we go. Um, there we go. Keep it yeah. on brand. I appreciate it, Matt. <laughs> exactly. The brand was right in front of me. Right in front of me. Although I think you just equated, equated us with totalitarianism. So I, I don't know if I love it so much, but I'll take it. We're fine. Um, oh, so, low, but, low, low, low. Ah, well, you know, whatever. It's fine. The Stasi, it's – nah, I'm not even going to say that. No, the Stasi are terrible. Um, but like – so Union have this kind of like – counterculture hipster sort of vibe to them it, it they did feel a little bit in reading about them not quite as like punk rock as fc sampali but in that level of like yeah like the hipster counterculture approach and i think that extends to their stadium from what i read which is built in i think the 20s it's been their home ground for forever and it does sound like it's a pretty strong atmosphere will give them at least a little bit of home field advantage uh for the first time in the bundesliga yeah yeah i i 
I actually have, I mean, truthfully, a lot of the friends that I have in, in Berlin um, are <laughs> Union supporters rather than uh, Hertha supporters. I mean, even in Berlin, you know, Hertha sort of, at least a, a certain type of person, whether it's, you know, for, for reasons of, of personal history or just like when you got to Germany, um, Unions are, are a lot more popular among certain people. And it's really fun at their games. I mean, Hertha have a sort of architecturally grand stadium in the Olympic Stadium, but it's a terrible stadium for football. It has a big running track around it. You're really far from the action. Whereas Union have managed to to build a, a great ground. You know, they sort of it's it's been there for a long time, but they've sort of renovated it and they've rebuilt parts and they have an awesome atmosphere. It's really cheap to go there. Um, aside from about five sections, which are not that big, it's all standing the entire stadium. Um, they have a really, really boisterous um, fan culture, not even just in the end that's sort of the, the fan block, but just about all the way around the ground. Um, I think that if nothing else, having Union in the Bundesliga just for atmosphere reasons is going to be awesome because I, I don't think that w- what's going to be on the pitch is going to be all that entertaining. Well, yeah, so that leads me to uh, the obvious question there of like the three promoted sides, uh, Union, uh, Paderborn, FC Köln, uh, who do you think is most likely to stay up? Is it is it at best one of the teams, or do you think there's a chance all three could potentially do it? Although it sounds like Paderborn have very la- very limited chances. Um, I think by far Cologne have have the best chances to okay. stay up. Um, if if for no other reason than um, a lot of second division clubs when they get to the Bundesliga have difficulty scoring goals and um, a lot of times they'll have strikers who have really sort of proven their worth in the second division and then they get to the first division and they hit a brick wall. Um, and, and Cologne happens to have a couple of guys who are, are sort of their, you know, I guess maybe first and second choice or, you know, second and third choice, depending on how you want to look at it or first and third um, in, in Anthony Modeste and um, John Cordoba who have, scored a lot of goals in the, the, the top flight in, in past years. Um, I also just think that Cologne, the sort of entire top to bottom co- uh, club infrastructure is a lot more solid. I mean, it, it's a club that is certainly a bit volatile. They've gone up and down a fair bit in the last 15, 20 years. But you look at the way that they sort of the sort of professionalism of the club and the number of, of, of employees that they have and the sort of um, youth setup that they have, it's a natural first division club. They should be in the first division every year. Um, so I, I, I feel like as long as, as they don't have another bout of, you know, messing things up for bad reasons, they, they, they should stay, stay up in the first division. Paderborn and Union, I think their chances are super slim. I think, Paderborn, um, just because their finances are incredibly weak, they have, you know, a tiny stadium. They have, a, 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 you know, very little in the way of, um, you know, resources to buy players. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they haven't bought a single player uh, all summer. They've they've gotten some free transfers in, but they haven't spent any money at all. And they've sold a few of the guys who, who helped get them up in the first division. Um. Union, I think infrastructure-wise, they're sort of getting towards being a natural first division club, but I'm not sure that they just have the quality in in their squad. And I think that they are a team that's really putting a lot of emphasis on 
um, defending, which is what got them into the first division. I mean, they, they, I think they only gave up something like, I don't know, 27 goals all season, which, you know, in, in a 34 game season is pretty, pretty damn good. Um, and they're just going to basically defend the hell out of every game <laughs> and, uh, hope that they can hold on. What's really worked for them last year. I mean, they, they were only beaten five times. And they, I think they drew something like 15 times. It was a, a team that was really, really hard to beat and, and really, I don't know. I, I didn't watch them. I, I went to see them live a couple of times last season and, or I guess now is the season before it. I missed the whole of last season. I can't believe I've been in the States as long as I have. Um, <laughs> I can't believe that you forgot about uh, Rifet Kapic, who uh, Paderborn signed for $114,000. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, that's kind of crazy, but I think definitely illustrates your point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, Union's just going to – they're, they're going to sort of hold on for dear life, and I, I don't think that's going to be enough. So that concludes part one of our Bundesliga preview. Uh, as I said in the very beginning of today's episode, part two will be out tomorrow. Uh, again, that one more focused on uh, Americans in the Bundesliga, as well as some of the other like bigger clubs to middle-tier clubs with some other topics in there, too. So check back for that tomorrow. Uh, but until then, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to listen to today's episode of the Total Soccer Show. I will talk to you tomorrow.